evening, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. Um, I hope everything's fine. Um, so there was, there's something I've been doing, or rather I did some days ago where, um, and maybe it's, okay, let me finish what I'm saying. I always tend to jump from one thing to the other. And what it was was that I just thought of the fact that there are a lot of there is certain set of scriptures that I that are like the pillar, the anchor pillars of my my faith and my belief in God. There are many of them actually. There's a whole lot of them. I think I need to catalogue all of them. But I was I felt led by the Holy Spirit just to be listing a few of them down that I think have become really like centerpieces of my life. And I think, you know, as I think about it, I think it's very important for all of us to have this. And what got me thinking around this was, we're doing a theology program. I'm doing a, you know, last year I did the Bible study elements of my master's program. I'm in seminary, by the way. And this year I'm doing the theology courses. So I deliberately finished all the Bible courses where we read the entire Bible, cover to cover. And then this year I'm now doing theology. So theology is really about your... Um, what you believe about whatever so theology of god theology of christ theology of the holy spirit of course based on the word of god so that's how we do theology of faith theology of righteousness and then we we study what the bible says we talk about the different views that people have different scholars have why they have those views sometimes it's different scholars sometimes it's different denominations and then the teacher the lecturer gives his own view and i also give my view sometimes i disagree even with the lecturer you know what i'm saying on certain points you know but most of the time yeah we're mostly aligned and most of the points of difference i would say disagreement difference are probably very minute things or interpretations or i think too much emphasis on this or this may not necessarily mean that but anyways and they allow that that's why i really went for this bible seminary program because it wasn't very denominational it was interdenominational it is interdenominational and it's it doesn't try to force feed a view on you but it just gives you this is what the scripture says this is what the bible says this is how people have interpreted it this is what my own so personal interpretation and then let, let me know what you think and say why but you have to be able to defend whatever it is that you believe and why you say so and it has to be scriptural you know and you have to be, have been able to interpret the scriptures correctly in terms of the language that was used and what is really saying so don't go and tell us you know i mean you can't interpret something that is not written into the words and say oh it's by revelation no <laughs> if it is not apparent in the words that we're speaking that were written down then sorry that interpretation is not correct so i like it because it's a very scholarly approach to the word of god and what i always say is that god himself is a scholar you know people whenever i see people taking the things of god as though god is illiterate i'm like don't you understand this is the master of all knowledge you know god is scientific he's a philosopher he's everything he's an artist you know he's he's a, he's a scientist he's a, he's he's an astro he's an astrophysicist he's um an astronomist you know he's all of these things He's scientific in the way he, he, he approaches things. He's logical in, in, in the way he looks at his pragmatic. He's all of these things. So why would you want to study him as though he's one ephemeral? No, let's, he's a very logical God. Somebody that invented maths. He's logical. Even when you see the way Jesus, you know, preached the gospel, he was rational. He would talk to them, you know, showing to them the logic or the, the, the you know, the lack of logic 
in what they were saying. He would analyze the things that they said, the things that they believe. He would say, you say you believe me. If you say you believe me, you will do this. If you say you, you know, he was, his, his, his arguments, you could, there was rational thought in what he was saying. Even when they came to attack him, he said to them, you come against me with swords and staves. I was, when I was preaching openly, why didn't you people come and pick me up? You know, he was like, you know, there was, anyway, that's just, so for me, I think it makes sense to, in fact, I think it's a legitimate prayer for anyone to pray that God should help them to increase their understanding and their knowledge and their ability to interpret things because, and I think that if, if one is even somebody that was born maybe with a bit of deficiency in that area or whatever, I believe that if one prays that kind of prayer for the purpose of God and understanding the Bible, God will increase the ability to interpret, to understand because God is a very cerebral God. He's, he's, he's cerebral and he's designing. You know, he's extremely cerebral and intellectual. I mean, I, yeah, I lean on him for before many things he's the god of all knowledge so yeah and a lot of people i mean i've been in cases where people say oh shall I, you know that i come across as so knowledgeable i'm like where do you think all of that knowledge comes from you think is you know is god i'm so, because i'm my connection with him so he explains things to me because i desire to i i want to know i think that's one thing that i, I thank god that he has blessed me with i want to know i really want to know it's important for me to know it was uh, and of course they say curiosity killed the cat because I think for me probably some of the things that I went through this in the last two three years was because I had God knew that I wanted to know first of all I really wanted to I have always wanted to understand how um, evil spirits work you know if there's certain things I've wanted to know but I never asked I I, I wanted I've, you know I wanted to know I, mean, I saw this sounds really crazy but God gave me the opportunity to experience some of those things you know by observing certain things, being in certain spaces in the last few years, you know, yes, God, God, He's like He opens. He's like, okay, you want to see? He opened the veil, so I saw, I saw things. Oh my goodness, it wasn't a pretty sight, but I did see. So I understood. Um, I understood. I understood a whole lot more. So looking at what the Bible says, how He describes so many things, you know, about evil and evil spirits and oppressing people, tormenting people how the devil thinks, you know, how he operates, all of that. Every day things happen to me to, to, to confirm the need for everybody to be a Bible student. We all need to be students of the Bible. We all need, it's a need, it's a survival skill. The same way you would learn, you know, like when you go to, if you travel to the UK, the first thing you need to understand is the bus route. I mean, you, as in, you have to, you just have to, otherwise you're, you're really going to be in trouble. So understanding the bus map, the travel route of the Bible, now having it, you know, knowing how to even read the map of the Bible, and I'm using this as an analogy, is a survival skill. We need it. We need it for the troubles and the situations we'll face in our life. It, and I know many of us, particularly in my part of the world, we're so used to, oh, call this pastor, call this person. You are staking a lot. You are hoping that that person's faith can carry you or the person's, in quotes, power or whatever gift is operating in their life. You are taking a big risk. And I kid you not, there's a lot that is going on in that person's life that if you were aware of, you will surely not go to the person at that time. The person may not be able to help you. The person may want to, but they may not. 
depending on what you're faced with. So thank God for the men and women that we can ask to pray and everything. But that had better not be our feel safe. It must be. In fact, 80-20 rule, I would say let 20% of your reliance be on those people. 80% will be on the word of God and your relationship. Build it up. Because at the end of the day, you are the one in it. You and I, we are the ones in the trouble. And I'm speaking based on the experience that I had. Because I found myself in a situation nobody around me could help me. No, they, didn't, they didn't even have, as in it was far beyond their experience. They, none of them knew what to do. Nobody. Nobody knew what to do. All they were just doing was copy and paste, you know. Because it was a situation that required a customized solution. And if, you know, you had to, God needed to give you revelation. So all people could do was pull out things from their basket and their experience. It didn't work. Eventually, I myself, I realized that this was a this was I had to had to become between me and God. And yes, so sometimes I think there's some things that we go through that is really you have to work it out. And the Bible tells us, work out your own salvation with faith and trembling. Many of us are doing cohorts. We are trying to work out our salvation as a cohort. There are some things you can work out as a cohort. But the Bible tells us that that scripture actually says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a personal thing. This journey is personal. God has given us co-travelers. But at the end of the day, the heavy lifting has to be done by us. Nobody's going to build your own faith for you. And there are some situations you, you and I will face in this life. The Bible says, though I walk. Does it say, though we walk through the valley? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's personal. Most of these things are personal. Personal. It's a personal walk. It's a personal walk. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. So, I started listing a lot of the anchor scriptures that have become really, really, I would say. And why I call them anchor scriptures is that there is a principle that those scriptures teach that I can find like a hundred other scriptures to attach to it and it is a building block for my life. I'll just read some of them. I have about 21 of them written. I won't read all of them today but and I think what I'm going to be doing as time goes on is I'll probably reflect and muse on each of them because I've, I found out that and why I call them anchor scriptures is that I found out that things continue to happen to bring me back to it. I'm like okay this looks like there's something really going on here. So one of them is this scripture that says the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And this was a scripture where um, Paul was talking, I think, to the children of um, church in Rome. And he was they were talking about this issue about whether they were discussing food and drink, you know, about, you know, should you take certain kinds of food or drink, you know, this prohibited food laws that they had, I think, under the under certain cultures i think the jewish culture so so he was saying that if as a believer you know that eating certain kinds of food will offend somebody who believes that that is unlawful or sinful or unclean then you should not do it you know if that will cause a problem for your brother so he then ended up by saying let don't let your evil your good deeds be evil spoken of and he says for the kingdom of god is not meat nor drink but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, even though he was talking in the context of food laws, that verse 17 of Romans 4, where he says, the kingdom of God is not about meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
he has taken that opportunity of a conversation around food laws to drop in something that is actually an anchor pillar of scriptures and like i said several other scriptures tied to it so what he's saying there more or less as i'm beginning to learn is that the kingdom of god is not about what you will eat what you will drink what you will benefit from all the normal things that human beings it's not about physical tangible needs righteousness is not a physical need peace is not a physical need joy in the holy ghost is also not a physical need he says the kingdom of god is about these three things that have nothing to do with what our physical body or our physical life revolves around on this earth things that the flesh needs desires wants physical comforts physical need he says that the kingdom of god is not about those things how is it that we now have made the kingdom of god about food about drink about houses about cars about lands about social status about buildings about assets so definitely all what we are talking about in that space is not the kingdom of god and there are many scriptures that talk about that that anchor scripture also so if i look at other scriptures that talk about that the other is in the scripture in john that says love not the world nor the things in the world anybody that has um that loves the things of the world does not have the love of the father in him we are asked not to love the world that's the world system he didn't tell us but he told us to love the people in the world but said we shouldn't love the world so this system of you know injustice and this warped system he says but we should not love the things what are the things in the world i'm looking at them now the house my house my bed my clothes my jewelry you know money assets things possessions So, the kingdom of God is not any of those things. So, when I see Christians celebrating houses, lands, buildings, it's good. I celebrate with you and myself when I had them. These, these things are good. But let us all understand that this is not, that's not kingdom. <laughs> it's not kingdom work. Neither is the kingdom celebration. And whether it is done on a personal level, whether it is done on a congregational level, it is not the kingdom that's what the Bible says. We can we can message it anyhow we want to. The Bible clearly gives us a view that the things that have to do with the kingdom are spiritual things. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And there are many other scriptures that tie to this. So this is this has been one of these things that has shaped my worldview when when, when um, Ephesians tells us that Christ has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places an aha moment for me last year while I was in Bible school my first year of Bible school was when I realized that it was the Old Testament that put a lot of emphasis on blessed in the field blessed you know physical blessings material blessings the New Testament focuses almost 100% on spiritual blessings so as far as God is concerned spiritual blessings are higher 
and physical blessings. But what have we done as modern day Christians, particularly in my local context, we have gone after the Old Testament model. Meanwhile, we have no business with the Old Testament because we are not ethnic Jews. The Old Testament was given to the Israelites, of which we are not Israelites. We are aliens from that covenant. The only covenant that has embraced us is the one that came under Christ. So claiming New Old Testament promises under New Testament covenant is the worst inter- uh, interpretation of scripture. It doesn't apply. You needed to be a descendant of Abraham ethnically to benefit from that old covenant. That's what the Bible says. The promises of Abraham that are passed on to us are promises that came through faith, through righteousness of faith. It is not their spiritual blessings. And when you see the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it buttresses this as well. The fruits of the Spirit, in fact, if we read it, let me let me look for it and I'm sure that we can read the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are... Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You see that same love that came up in, the, in Romans 4, 4, 17. Joy, joy, aha. Uh-huh. Okay, no, Romans uh, 4, 17 said righteousness, peace, and joy. Yes. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So two elements from that Romans 4, 17 have come up here. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, please tell me, where are the houses and land in the fruit of the Spirit? Where are the buildings, the skyscrapers? Where are they in, in the fruit of the Spirit? They're not there. They are not there because the new covenant is about spiritual things. It's about spiritual blessings. There's somebody, in fact, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take each of those anchor um, anchor scriptures and then look for as many scriptures as I can find that tie to that principle. And then I will do a reflection and a reason on it. Because it's important for me to know. Because I'm wondering, what are we preaching? What, what, what is it that all of us are doing? What are we all doing here? What are we doing? And you know, the devil is very deceptive. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't even... Because for me, I want to be clear. Because what I'm seeing here is there is a blurring of... I don't know what to say, of doctrines that it's not being labeled as a blurring. So we believe that we are being taught what is right, but actually it is, you know, we ourselves that are even receiving the teaching, maybe even repeating it myself, I am not aware of what is. I have been reading the Bible and I'm still reading it. There is nothing there. The only place where Jesus even makes mention about uh, material blessings, and please don't get me wrong, it's not as if God doesn't know that we have needs. He talks about that. What he says is, seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of it. That same righteousness, that's what Matthew 6, 33 says. And all these other things will be added unto you. He, he says it everywhere. He, say, he says, um, what will it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? As far as the old, the New Testament does not rate, does not rate material possessions at all. And that's why Jesus told some um, in the young rich ruler to go and give away all he had. That's probably why the early church brought all their possessions, sold it, and brought it. The New Testament does not rate old possessions at all. I'm not saying that that's what we should do, but I'm saying let us be clear about what the New Testament preaches. 
then we will know okay god this is what your bible says how do you want us to live it out let's not try to confuse issues i am interested in finding out what the bible says whether i live or i choose to live to that standard is something else but at least let's first just spend time understanding what the bible says so that's really what musings with jesus is all about it's about musing on what what conversations with the lord okay this is what you're saying wow but that this is quite a lot you know how am i going to read this meet the standard what does this really mean for me now but there's a picture there's a profile that is emerging i mean if this was a i was in an academic class i would clearly it would be clear to me what he's saying it's only when you become sentimental about it that you now be like eh, well he can't be saying that but if i was not a christian and i was reading this like an, an academic work i'll say yeah yeah to be a christian means you are living above the earthly things of this world it it preaches a life that is separate from earthly possessions focuses more on spiritual things and that you know your life in terms of other priorities should really be about righteousness seeking to be holy you know receiving the power of god to be that and that to a very large extent you, you you live a life of contentment where you are not following after acquisition but you know your needs are supplied but you're but that you are more concerned about living to the standard of a holy god and living out his will and purpose for you on earth so you material possession material acquisitions is not a priority and even when you do get some of those material things you do it it's for the greater good not for your personal um how would i say acquisition or not for self you know so the bible talks about needs he says philippians 4 19 he says he will supply our needs according to riches glory god talks about needs a lot he doesn't talk about wants so for him what you need he will supply he's not he doesn't commit to supplying your wants or my wants and you know he, he keeps talking about that you know the, the heavenly father knows that you have need of these things you know that don't spend all your time that's matthew 6 jesus and this was jesus speaking he says do not start thinking about what you will eat what you will drink what you will put on your clothes he says because the father knows that you have need of these things that consider the lilies of the field the the birds of the air they do not plow they do not toil but you know the father still makes sure that they you know so jesus spent a lot of time talking about this whole don't get your head all caught up in you know the pizzazz of this world but what are we doing we are fully inside it as christians <laughs> we're we're completely and which is why so for me it makes sense because that is why a nation like nigeria we have so many christians the society is horrible is as is as though everybody is an idol worshiper it, we are not it, it there is no impact none whatsoever Apart from the fact that on Sunday you see a lot of people going into the churches. Even the ethics of what is right and wrong, even the people leading don't even seem to know what is right or wrong. And there's a recent case that happened in a part of, you know, you know recently, which is in the news. I, I don't want to reference it. But for me, that was a real textbook example of where we are at as a church right now. When a leader doesn't even know what is right or wrong i listened to the message so this was somebody using a very dramatic way in his mind to illustrate something but it was highly unnecessary because even what he was saying wasn't a correct interpretation of scriptures as far as i'm concerned but people were in the audience and they couldn't even tell i think some people couldn't even tell i heard some people were even defending some christians were even defending what was being done which was obviously inappropriate I don't even understand how that was even a choice but it just shows you 
how things have gone wrong in terms of how we even select the people that lead the focus of a lot of our faith gatherings being on things that are that have very little to do with the gospel and the word we've lost our way as well i mean i'm trying to be very politically correct we've just we've lost our way and until we get back onto to the scripture and to the word of god you know we, a lot of things will change but thank god at least ah we've lost our way there was a time when the church of god church of christ in Nigeria was a very powerful um, church because we were we were we, we, we were christ-centered and we were gospel-centered and we were kingdom-minded now that has changed it's not about the gospel it's not about christ it's not about the kingdom it's about our own territory you know what i'm saying and god will not stay in that he will not stay in that so we've we've um, and i don't know we've, we've 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 lost a lot of ground but i i i believe in what god says when he says i will build my church the gates of hell shall not prevail um i was reading, re- recently reading a book by one mr tenet or so Chronicles his first name, and he was saying that this up and down thing happens to the church of God in places at all times. I was very comforted when I read it. I said, Okay, so this is a normal trend, and that you know, as as churches rise, the work of God rises and seems to decline, God raises it up somewhere else, and you know, so this up and down thing continues to happen. So he was saying about how Christianity is declining in Europe, but it's also rising in Asia and other parts of the world as well. So um, I know that God will continue to build this church and that even amongst us, even in our midst here, he will continue to raise men and women that will do his will, that will stand up for his word. It has to be about Jesus. Anything that we're doing that exalts any other thing, whether a created thing or a human being, over and above Jesus, or puts people in a position of high priest or mediator between you and God, it is not of God. It's not of the Bible. Because if Jesus wanted anybody to be a high priest or a go-between between he should then why did he bother coming to come and share this but why did he go through all of that why and all through the ages what we've had are people wanting to mediate in a situation that god did not call them to mediate in but now god said okay we have had several people who i have had to work with like the high priest in the old testament abraham you know moses or okay now me i will send my own son myself i will come down and after that, Jesus came. There is no other mediator. And Jesus says, come unto me. He did not say, come unto the person that will show you to me. No. Jesus opened invitation. Come unto me. And that's what we should all be preaching. I don't even know why anyone would want to stand as a, I am the one, I am seeking God on your behalf. God has told me, you know, all of those things. I don't get it because... If you really understand that God, you should know that to stand, to put yourself in a situation whereby you may be a tool of this, a victim or a tool of the same spirit that Lucifer had, that's a dangerous place to be in. Because that's what Jesus, Lucifer tried to do. He wanted to stand in the space of Jehovah. And that's how you know. When, when, when the people tried to do that to Paul and was it Peter? They wanted to worship them because of all the miracles they had done. They ran out into them and said, no, 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 no. We are men like you. Don't do this. That's how you know people who are really, really following Christ. Because if you are really following God, even the angels too in in, in, um, in Revelation, when 
the angel showed John all those majestic things and he wanted to then worship him. The angel said, please don't worship me. I am a servant like you. That is what any person following God does. When you see leaders that allow people to bow and worship them and treat them like high priests, like mediators, you need to run for your life. Even if you can't run physically, run in your heart. Because you shouldn't want to be in that place if you are really a child of God. Even Jesus, when kept on pointing people to God, he kept doing that. When they called him um, good master, he said, why call him, Why are you calling me good? There is no one else but good. Even though he was the good shepherd, he still said there is no one else but only God is good. He still said that. So, and even me as, you know, whenever certain things happen, and people say, oh, Shola, thank you. I quickly say, I give God the glory. We do it because we understand the danger in taking or appropriating or accepting either passively or, you know, overtly or covertly the glory that belongs to the Father. It is, I, it's satanic. I'm sorry, that's the only way to call it because once you do that, you, you create a space for the enemy because it belongs to God. That glory belongs to God. So when you find yourself, if you're in a position of leadership, and because of the glory or the gifts of God in your life or whatever the position you have, people are tending to want to do what they would normally want to do, which is worship you. You should be the one doing what that angel was doing. When, the, when Paul and um, John wanted to worship, no, 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 don't worship me. I am a servant like you. Or like Peter and Paul, no, 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 don't do this. You have to keep doing it over and over. Any person that is a finds himself in that position, including me, and does not do that, you can already tell who is, you know, at that point in time, regardless of however well they started, at that point in time, they are yielding to the anti-God spirit. I'll just leave it there because I think this conversation has gone somewhere else from where I intended it to go, but I know that these are the musings of, these are the things that I'm thinking about. And I think we are really in the last of the last days. At least I know that I am in the last of my last days, if you know what I mean, in terms of I, I spent more than 50 years on this. I, I doubt if I'm going to spend another 50. So in this part, second phase, second half of my life, I am, I have, I am more intent on following what the Bible says so that if I miss it, let it be because I was foolish. I want to take full responsibility for my foolishness i don't want to eat to it because i was like my my little sister my sister friend said recently she said herd mentality i don't want it to be because i was a victim of herd mentality and i was just going where everybody else was going whether it made sense or not at the end of the day i'm a christian because of the of the word of god and of jesus and if jesus points in a particular direction everyone else seems to be going somewhere else i'm sorry i think i will go where jesus is going because at the end of the day, it was Jesus that I gave my life to. I did not give my life to the herd. Sure you understand? The sheep followed the good shepherd. So if the herd are going in another direction, me, I will follow the shepherd. And the only way I can be right if I'm following the shepherd is to look at the word of God. And that's what I'm doing. That's what through these musings with Jesus. That's what I'm doing. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, follow. Paul said, follow me for as long as I'm following the Lord. But that if anybody brings another gospel, it, this, it's important. 
it's important anyway I'll, i'm just gonna leave it here because i think at the end of the day god will help all of us because nobody has all of the answers and which is why i am now looking at the word of god because the word of god in the bible is time tested and i i will i will continue to hold on to it and i thank god that anyway i'll continue to hold on to it. i thank god because even in seminary i have come across a lot of books and scholars and bible commentaries that confirm what i myself have seen in the word of god so you know thank you very much for listening god bless you stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen Thank you.